I would love it if you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Daniel, chapter 6. We're going to be there in just a moment. But before we get there, we have a couple of videos we're going to show real quick. Brenda, you want to show those? King Darius had had a bunch of these men gathered together, these very young men, and he brought them to the palace, and he trained them. So King Darius appointed Daniel ruler over all of the princes of the empire. So he was tried to find fault, tried to find something wrong with the way Daniel did his job. So they were jealous of him. So nobody could pray to God, to any God. King Darius and the law. That said no person could pray to God. When Daniel heard the law had been signed, he went home and prayed to God. As he always had done. Daniel's enemies got together. And they spied on him while he's praying to God. And then they talked to the king. Yeah. When the king heard about Daniel praying, he was upset. King Darius commanded Daniel be put into the lion's den. The king spent the night without eating or sleeping. Worried about Daniel. He was worried, really worried about Daniel. So he didn't sleep at all, did he? And he went running to the cave. And then what did he say? And then what did he say? He said, Daniel, did God save you? The lions have not hurt me. The angels came and shut the lion's mouth. The king commanded that Daniel be taken out of the lion's den. Uh oh. The king commanded that the man who had accused Daniel be thrown into the lion's den. Okay, we are going to get into Daniel chapter 6 here in just a moment. Part of the reason we showed the video right then, though, was not only to introduce Daniel 6, but also because it's linked together with things that our church is doing. One of the wonderful things that happens in our church is our Sunday school, uh, where teachers go and teach children about Bible school, and we just were so pleased that that happens, and we wanted to show that. But yesterday, there was another wonderful event that took place in our church family, uh, and if you would have been here, I think you would have been mildly amazed at what went on like before nine o'clock yesterday there was a line of people from the door to the fence the the fence down by the uh, dumpster so the 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 line went around and then back to the fence and in a little short while there were i would i would estimate there were 300 people here uh yesterday i'm sure there were more than 300 that came in and out but there were at least at, at one point just in the building 300 people going through clothes and, and finding things that were of blessing to them. I'm going to say some more about that later on. But right now, I just want to thank those who, uh, who were here, who served and did a great job. And just say to the church, this is a wonderful, wonderful event. So we got a couple of little clips here that Richie took that, sh- that uh, exemplify that for us. Huh? Is that amazing? This is before it opens.
then this is the event. And just imagine, while these people are in here sorting out clothes, like you can see people coming down the stairs, and the foyer is completely full. Like the whole foyer and all the way down the hall is completely full of people at the same time. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's a blessing for sure. So there are wonderful things that are happening in our church all the time, and I just wanted to, uh, to make sure that we had a chance to look at that this morning and see good things that God is doing. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you for the blessing we have of serving others. And especially, Father, I, I look at and see those from other countries who have come here, and they're looking for peace. In some cases, they're looking for peace from persecution, uh, even the kind of persecution that Daniel experienced. And they've come here trying to find a new life uh, for their families, children. Uh, it's just a blessing and a privilege for us to be able to serve them in the way that we do and having them come here and, and get the things they do. Thank you for all those who commit themselves to this ministry. And we pray that the blessings would come. We also, Father, of course, pray that people will find here uh, a church uh, that expresses your goodness and your life and your light uh, in our community and we're grateful that they have a chance to see that in us it's through jesus that we pray amen this story of daniel is really just one of a whole series of stories that we're looking at as we're going through the series on god story and people and we're starting to see things that God has done consistently with people throughout history in terms of ministering to humankind, bringing Israel along and making Israel what he wanted them to be. And so, for example, as we look at God's story in people, we've seen that Abraham, despite his imperfections, was ultimately faithful. And you'll remember he, at one point, twice actually, he lies about who his wife is. Uh, he takes another woman and has a baby with her. Not at all, in one sense, a model of faithfulness. And yet God still uses Abraham really because of his heart. God also uses Moses, despite his past, where he actually murders somebody. And despite his fears, where he stands in front of a burning bush and says to the Lord, No, you have to find somebody else. I can't do this. God does actually help him find somebody else in the voice of his brother Aaron. They go down into Egypt and Moses does ultimately serve God and is ultimately faithful with that responsibility. God commends Joshua and those who followed after him for being faithful as well. And I just wonder sometimes, what must it have been like to stand outside the gates and the walls of Jericho and all you've got with you in terms of what you're going to take into battle is a shout. And God uses that shout and does wonderful things because these people chose to be faithful. There's the story of Ruth that we looked at last week. And it's told really because she lived a life of faithful compassion. She was committed to people whom she loved and gives her life to them. We saw how there's a, a parallel there between, between the way that we're supposed to give ourselves to God. And so ultimately, all of this adds up to faithfulness to God as he reveals himself through Israel. And as long as Israel continues to be faithful to him, he's going to be faithful to them. Well, I don't know if there is anything that would have been quite so timely 
as this particular series. I want you to look at the last line on that slide. Faithfulness to the God who revealed himself through Israel. That really is what's going on here. It's so easy to miss the battle that is constantly going on. And I don't know if you sense this or not. Like, I don't know if every time you turn on the television, if you think to yourself, there's a battle going on here for my soul. I don't know if every time you walk down the street and you see some sign on a building or a billboard, if you think to yourself, there's a battle going on here for my soul. I don't know if when you're talking to somebody who maybe had faith before, grew up in the church, and now is in the cubicle next to you, and is talking to you about how they no longer have faith. I don't know if you think to yourself, there's a battle going on right now for my soul, but it is happening. And it's not just our souls, it's the soul of the world. And sometimes I feel like we're the, we're the proverbial frog that sits in the pot, and we turn on the flame... Now, I have to admit, with this analogy, I've always wondered why, why the, the frog's feet aren't burning really badly, okay? But the frog is sitting in the kettle, and the water begins to heat up, and you know what happens. The analogy is that because it's a cold-blooded animal, it doesn't realize, as the water begins to heat up, that it's boiling to death. And so rather than jumping out of the pot... At the first sign of heat, the frog just stays there and the heat slowly begins to rise. And as the heat rises, the frog, unaware of what's happening, just stays there until the frog is dead. And I just wonder if that's not in some sense happening to us. If we just don't recognize the battle that's going on on a regular basis. So if God has revealed himself first in the story of Israel and then in Jesus Christ, this is a truth that we not only need to hold on to, but if we believe it, it absolutely changes everything. What if, what if this whole story that we believe about Jesus and God is actually real? What if it's real? And you say to yourself, well, of course it's real, Kelly. We all believe that it's real. Okay, if it's real then it seems to me like it changes absolutely everything. Like, for instance, if there's really a God, if there's really his son Jesus, if there's really a Holy Spirit, then right now there is somebody who knows your thoughts. And so if you're sitting there thinking to yourself, man, I wish he'd hurry and get finished... God knows that. (laughs) He's aware. And if you have some other thought, God is aware of that. If it's a great thought, if you're thinking about how much you love others, if you're thinking about how you want to serve, if you're thinking about the ways in which God has blessed you, he knows that as well. And we believe that there is something that is grounding all of this reality. That God has really revealed himself. That things really are different and affected by his presence. And here's the thing. If we don't really believe that, then I just want to ask the question, what kind of game are we playing here? 
Like, do you realize that if that's not real, as real as the pew you're sitting on and as real as the person you're sitting next to, if that's not authentic and real, then what are we doing here? Like, this is definitely some kind of game if all of this stuff isn't real. If God hasn't revealed himself, then there's got to be a better way for me to spend my time this morning than talking about nothing. Trying to persuade you and make you think that there's something when there really isn't anything. There's got to be something better that we can do than singing songs that are meaningless. There's got to be something we can do better than worship and take the Lord's Supper when it's absolutely fruitless and wasted time. There's no one to listen to our prayers. And there's no reason why, even if you have a great heart, that you shouldn't instead get up right now and walk out of here and go, you know, I'm going to go down to the drop-in center and serve down there. At least I'm doing something good rather than sitting here wasting my time. It would have to be that way if God is not real. And here's something else. Those Christians who are being tortured and killed right now while we're here. Those from the Middle East, those whole towns and villages in Africa that have been put to the sword, those Christians who are in villages that have been burned and whose villages are being ransacked and in which young girls are kidnapped and taken as slaves... If God is not real and has not revealed himself in the story of Israel, then those poor persecuted people need to do whatever their captors tell them to do and avoid persecution because their faith doesn't matter. And the apostle Peter, who denied Jesus when they asked him whether or not he knew him, he should have just said, yeah, I don't know him and gone on his way, pleased as punch to have said that he didn't know him. If it's not real. And when they said to him. Do you believe in him. At his own crucifixion. Peter should have said. No I don't believe this cockamamie story. And he shouldn't have allowed himself to be crucified. He should have just walked away. On April 2nd this year. Gunmen from the militant group. Al-Shabaab. Attacked. Garissa University in Kenya. You might remember this. They killed 147 people and they injured another 79. They killed 147 students on a university campus. The gunmen released the Muslim students and shot those who identified themselves as Christians. In some cases, telling the students to call their parents. They had cell phones. They have cell phones in Africa now. And so they said to the students, I want you to call your parents. And they did. And when they called their parents on the phone, they killed them so their parents could listen. The gunmen held the university at siege for 15 hours. There were more than 700 students trapped inside. It ended when four of the gunmen were finally shot and killed by police. The fifth one was able to detonate a suicide vest, killing himself, and he injured a number of Kenyan 
policemen and commandos. And here's the thing. Had these students not been faithful to Christ, or if this story was just all a bunch of garbage, they could have easily just said, I'm not a Christian. And nothing would have happened to them. But they believed in the reality of God and his son Jesus. And they died. And for this morning, what I want us to understand is that this is no different in so many ways than what happens in the book of Daniel. I want you to look at Daniel chapter 6. And you can just kind of glance there at the events of this story. And you can see how in the beginning, in the first few verses, there's a trap set. A trap set specifically for Daniel because he's a man of God. A trap set by those who want to see Daniel ultimately be killed because of his faith. Look at verse 5. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home uh, to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and they spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or man except to you, O king, should be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Now we read the rest of the story because in the end, Daniel is saved, and the lions don't eat him. And the king actually is thrilled that he doesn't get eaten. But what I want to say this morning is that there is so much more here going on than what we typically think about and what we really need to see. And there's some reasons for this. The first one is that there is faithfulness to God who revealed himself through Israel. We need to see this. You know what? I'm blowing it here. What's going on? No. 
I messed up my slides. Okay. What I really want you to see here in the beginning is that this isn't just a children's story. This is not just a children's story because in this, a man is put into a lion's den and it's said that he was going to be eaten by lions and torn to pieces if he wasn't faithful to God. In other words, the only way this man can be saved is if God is going to protect him. And it's not a children's story because if you think about it, when lions rip people to pieces, it's not just a child's story. And so there's at least one song that people who are in this kind of persecuting situation don't sing. You know the song that we sing sometimes about Daniel? It goes like this. Daniel, 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 Daniel in the lie, lie, lions. Daniel, 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 Daniel in the lie, lie, lions. Daniel, 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 Daniel in the lie, lie, lions. Daniel in the lions. Daniel in the lions. Daniel in the lions. Den. Now, you know, that's cute. And I know it's kind of fun to sing. But it's pretty hard for me to imagine that the parents of the university students in Kenya whose kids were gunned down because they believed in Jesus Christ sing with glee songs about persecution. It's strange for me to think that people who've been put in that kind of position relish the notion of singing songs when they recognize that this is indeed no children's story, but a story about those, in this case, one guy, whose life was actually at peril because of his faith in God. And it's not at all just the case of someone being thrown into a lion's den and we're all happy because he's there. Miriam Ibrahim, a Sudanese Christian, was sentenced to death for adultery and apostasy after marrying a Christian man with whom she had a young son. She was raised as a Christian by her Christian mother after her Muslim father left the family when she was a young child. The Sudanese court said she should have followed the religion of her absent father, which would have prohibited her from marrying a Christian, and they found her guilty of abandoning her Muslim faith. She was arrested when she was eight months pregnant and she was held in a Sudanese prison with her 20-month-old son to await hanging after the birth of her second child. She was denied medical care and prison staff refused to take her to hospital when she went into labor. She gave birth to a daughter in prison with her legs shackled. That's no children's story. It's hard for me to imagine her singing Daniel, 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 Daniel in light of her persecution. And I would wager that she and those parents, when they think of Daniel, they think of the persecution that real people experience. And instead, with sober minds, Reflect on what God has done for them. So now...
the power of Daniel 6. First, we see here faithfulness to God who revealed himself through Israel. And that's huge. This really, in one sense, is what the story is about. It's about us remaining faithful. And in our time, there are constantly challenges facing us to not do this. Like we're, we're almost called by our culture to no longer be faithful. And it's so easy for us to make compromises that mean that we're not faithful. And God all the time is wanting something different. So we see in Daniel this kind of faithfulness and we're called to be faithful, brothers and sisters. The second thing we see is that there is reflective, considered faithfulness in Daniel. That's what he exemplifies. And this one is especially important in our times. Notice I said reflective, considered faithfulness. The easiest thing in the world these days is for somebody to get on the internet and see some challenge to Christianity. It's the easiest thing in the world to read some argument from somebody telling us how the things of God are not true, while the Bible is not true. And so we see these things, and we don't necessarily have ready answers, and so you read them and think, oh, well, this guy must know what he's talking about. He's on the internet, which is ridiculous. And there isn't the kind of reflective, considered faithfulness that is required. And so I would say this especially to our young people. Don't just hear and read some book or four books or six books or ten books. If you're going to do a studied search of what it means to think about God, if you're going to respond somehow to the challenges that come to us in this world, read a hundred books. And listen to what people have to say who are not just faithless, but faithful. Because there are thousands, millions of people who have stayed faithful through all kinds of circumstances, and they're just as familiar with the challenges to our faith as you are. How is it that all of these good people remained faithful, even though there were those challenges, without reflecting somehow? And they have. And so don't think, well, there are answers to this that I just can't come up with. Other people have. Other people will help. And so make your search reflective and considered. And don't just easily give up a faith for which others often, even today, die. And then thirdly, this kind of faithfulness does not remain fruitless, but has a powerful impact. And you know what happens at the end of this story. King Darius is thrilled that Daniel is still alive. That's incredible, really. Obviously, Daniel had amazing impact on King Darius himself. And so King Darius is thrilled that Daniel is still alive. And what does he do? Look at the end of the story. What does King Darius do in light of the fact that Daniel is still alive in the lion's den? He publishes something. Yeah, he did go, didn't he? And what did he do? He yelled in there and he said, just like you did on the film, 
Exactly. That's right. Did your God save you? Yeah. And did God save him? He certainly did. And so Daniel was so impressed, or I should say King Darius is so impressed and pleased that Daniel's still alive, that he issues this decree. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. Why? For he is the living God. And he endures forever. And his kingdom will not be destroyed. And his dominion will never end. This is the king of Persia speaking. And he says these things about God because of the faith of one man who said, I will not give in. It may be that for the kids, the wonderful part is that the lion's mouths are shut and Daniel's not killed. But in my way of thinking, there is so much more here than that children's kind of story. There's the story of faithfulness. The story of God who honors this one. And then the impact on the world that faith can have. And we need to have that kind of impact because we need to have that kind of faith. In our world today, there are so many challenges. I I hear about them constantly. And I've known so many Christians who have, after just a short while of being challenged in their faith, given it up. I've got so many good friends, in some cases in ministry, people that I've served with, who heard those challenges and just took the easy road in terms of giving up their faith. And I, I just want to say we can't do that. Like God wants something so different from us and there are great reasons for us to remain faithful. If nothing else, the impact we can have on the world because we chose to be faithful like Daniel. Let's be faithful, brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would bless us and help us to to always be faithful to you. Help us to serve you. Help us to honor you. Help us to be all that you want us to be. And Father, when those challenges come, and they are many, they're numerous, they're constant, they come from so many different places, we pray, God, that you'd help us to remain faithful. And help us, in the course of being faithful, to have the kind of impact on our world that we know you want us to have. We pray these things through Jesus. Amen.